0: Welcome to the Thrive Podcast, the place where you will get to know inspiring real-life women who dare to do the uncommon. They embrace who they are in their life's purpose, and most importantly, they thrive because of it. I am Olga Mueller, a personal success coach and speaker, passionate traveler, and unshakable believer that everyone deserves to live a life they love without ever having to feel guilty about it. Each week, I will introduce you to powerhouse women from all around the world to show you that you can create a fulfilling life you love, no matter the circumstances, personal history, or topic. Me and my fellow ladies are here to bust your fears, your feelings of guilt and shame, and boost your confidence to a whole new level where you are finally able to see that I can do it too. Get ready to dare, embrace, and thrive unapologetically with us. Let's do this. So, welcome to a new episode of the Thrive Podcast. Today, I have a very great woman with me. Her name is Amanda J.P. Brown. She's joining us from Phoenix, Arizona, from the U.S. And Amanda is an author, healer, warrior, exploration guide, sacred space creator, and creator of The Bullet, A Beautiful Knockout. She has a background as a trained mental health therapist and holds two master's degrees, one in criminal justice and the other one in social work. After struggling with self-confidence due to shame around drug use, Amanda spiraled into a state where she had almost completely lost touch with who she is. As she regained that connection, she felt called to write her book, which is called You're Brave Enough, Eight Daily Practices to Be Your Own Hero, and to inspire and encourage other women to walk through their own darkness and stand tall in who they are so that they can own their power and truly be confident in and comfortable with themselves in all ways always. So welcome to the Thrive podcast, Amanda. I'm so happy to have you with us.
1: Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here and that was an amazing introduction. So thank you.
0: Oh, I mean, the 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 gratitude should all go to you because that's your story. That's, you know, everything that you have created and I'm so, you know, excited to have you with us today because I really feel your story and um the message that it conveys um is so needed and so powerful because it affects well basically, I think every woman on this planet, because um shame and guilt i mean, I feel like it just comes almost or and sadly naturally with just this whole idea yeah. of women having to live up to perfection and everybody's seeking to be to do things perfectly and flawlessly and you know um all these kind of things like um, it really pushes you to 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 create shame automatically I somehow feel and um, you yourself actually had like I think a rough time growing up when it comes to you know the level of confidence and self-esteem that you had had so would you mind telling us you know what has happened or just take us back to the beginning of your story how did that all um, yeah develop
1: Okay, yeah, no, thank you. Um, I totally agree with you. I think that this is something that a lot of us struggle with, especially as women. And um, for a lot of us, it roots back to something that happened in our past, uh, the stories of how we're not good enough. And for me, it really started, um, I think that I felt as a young, young child, very confident and very, mm-hmm. lived a very happy life. And then we, like, moved away from everything I knew, and then my Mm. parents started having problems, and then they ended up separated. And I had a really close relationship with my father, Mm. and as my parents began to separate is when our struggles really began, because then he also got into a new relationship. And so there was a moment that I can remember of trying to like express myself and really want to share and be back to that, like center of your dad's eye Mm -hmm. and the apple of, you know, his world and where it was just like, I completely, I write about it in the book, but completely like, just like it was not received well. And Mm -hmm. in that moment, what he said to me was so hurtful, Mm -hmm. but it just, made me really kind of spiral out of control because I made all these stories about what that meant about me. So even though he may not have meant what he said in any way to be harmful, Mm -hmm. I took it in a very harmful way, which then had me moving into seeking other ways to kind of soothe that pain, which kind of led into my spiral into drugs uh, as a teenager.
0: So how, how old were you when that happened?
1: Um, I was 14 mm-hmm. and I think that, um, you know, it was, there was, had been a lot of kind of, we moved when I was nine and mm-hmm. the things just weren't that great. There had been some family issues, not just with my, my immediate family and my mm-hmm. parents, but like, even moving to Arizona and the, just the family dynamics that were happening and kind of feeling like the outcast or the black sheep of our mm. family. Like our family was that, that was like kind of my feeling. Um, and kind of like the, just the dynamics that were all embedded in my dad's family between their siblings and his siblings. And so it was, it was really interesting like going back and looking at it now Mm -hmm. as an adult. Um, but as a child, we don't, we don't understand the same things. We think that things mean stuff about us or we're Mm -hmm. bad in some ways. And so, um, when I didn't have the support I was looking for from him, I really did seek out other ways to get that attention and, and to kind of numb out the pain that I was feeling from not having him Mm. in my life and started really disconnecting from a lot of important pieces of who I was. So like writing had always been a really big thing, writing poetry and song lyrics And even though I still kind of did that a little bit, I started to kind of cut myself off from all of that, Mm -hmm. especially when I was using, I didn't do any of that. And that just kind of disconnected me even more from myself.
0: And I mean, you don't have to share what your dad, you know, had said to you Mm -hmm. in that moment. But what were some of, let's say, the conclusions that you um, made out of that or some thoughts that then... Mm -hmm popped up repeatedly because of what he said
1: I think that one of the big things that I didn't realize at the time but the conclusion I made Mm -hmm. and that I really see how it plays out now in my life is that um speaking up for myself and what I need Mm -hmm. um, can cause me to be attacked can Mm -hmm. cause me to be um hurt and so one of the big things is I stopped using my voice. I stopped speaking up for myself and I really started the other thing. I think I really kind of, kind of rooted in a little deeper is that I only get to be what other people necessarily want me to be. But as soon as I say something that they don't like or be something that's not aligned with them, Mm -hmm. that I can also be rejected. So then there was like this fear of, if I don't conform, comply, um, if I speak up, Mm -hmm. then I could be rejected and abandoned and even harmed, like maybe not physically, but Mm -hmm. emotionally, which is really, really deep. So.
0: Wow. And, um, I mean, who were the people if you don't mind sharing, like who are the people you're most afraid to be rejected by? Because I mean, we're all afraid of being rejected. This is, I mean, for people um, who this might not be very you know familiar with but it's like our our survival mechanism especially as women and that's just i just want to explain a little bit so that you know maybe it it just clicks with somebody and makes you understand you know why you're acting this way because i mean we as women as we did not go hunt we survived in a group in a community And so for you, you know, staying in the community means survival. But if you act out too much, if you become too successful all all of a sudden, if you become, you know, too different from the group that they just cast you out and you're all there by yourself, that basically meant death. But like millions of years ago. But the, the thing is, our mind does not differentiate between two million years ago and now. We still act the same way. And that's why, especially like I heard the female brain since it is structured differently than the men's brain, we're so focused on you know on emotions and actually the feedback that we get just like mm-hmm. the facial expression what a, the tone of the voice it makes yeah. girls really um, draw the conclusion about their own value about whether they're good or bad
1: mm-hmm. absolutely yeah it's like biologically wired in it's not even something we think about it just happens and it is because of all those years and the survival mechanism that it really was about you know that survival um I think you know at the time I also did and I had a strained relationship with my mom Mm -hmm. Um, I think the person people that Mm -hmm. like I mostly felt rejection around because my wound came from my father was a lot from my um from men Mm -hmm. and so I found myself it more conformist to that, whereas it was different, and you know with women, mm-hmm. but I really didn't have a lot of strong female relationships at the time that's something I've kind of kind of learned to cultivate. I think there's been a huge piece of like uh I don't know the right way to say it, but like us being pitted against each other. Mm-hmm. And, um, where there's this big competition and cattiness and it, and it wasn't until I got older that I really started to see how that kind of undermines women's own healing and own power. It's if yes. we stay disconnected from each other as women that we can't heal the same way. And mm. so we stay in those spaces and I'm not saying anybody's doing this to us, like specifically on a conscious level, But I've found a lot of my healing has really come within the context of my female relationships first. Mm. Fear still comes a lot within like male, like my partner relationships. So that's where I would see that fear of rejection play out more uh, like strongly and deeply than it would be if it was like my friend relationship. So Mm. more of that romantic relationship.
0: Mm. Yeah, actually, you know, I'm I'm so happy that you mentioned this topic because this is also one of the intentions of the podcast is to really start like this new movement. I'm like so sick and tired of, you know, um, let's say as women actually criticizing each other or saying, you know, oh, she must have been lucky or whatever. Like you said, competing against each other. Um mm-hmm instead of saying like, you know, how freaking cool is that, that Amanda was able to do that and how can I learn from her mm-hmm. and, you know, yeah. uplift each other and move each other forward and learn from each other instead of, you know, um, thinking how, how we can, you know, scratch out <laughs> her eye or something like that, you know?
1: No, you're right. I remember being in college and somebody saying, oh, you, you only know this stuff because of my, your mother or this and I'm like wait no
0: Exactly.
1: Like, I, I worked really hard to learn this stuff like I actually had worked really hard to get to that point in my life and so I totally agree with you like learning how to like kind of celebrate each other mm-hmm. um, and, and that helps us celebrate ourselves because I think also as women we because we're so worried about what other people are going to say whether it's rejection or abandonment or just being attacked or the cattiness we don't talk about the amazing things about ourselves and we struggle because maybe we're going to be too arrogant or too this or somebody's going to say oh you're so lucky that you and, and it's dismissive to our journey so yeah I'm so glad that's one of the the things that you're looking to kind of really help abolish and cultivate this amazing connection of lifting each other up
0: yeah because I'm I mean I also have to admit like before uh I was always around you know this topic of you know equality between men and women etc and then last year actually I've also spent a lot of time you know actually getting to know about feminine masculine energy and all that stuff Mm -hmm. and then I realized you know we're always looking to make men understand us as women, but actually mm-hmm. we as women need to understand ourselves first, I mean each other first. Everyone individually and then your your friend, the, your sister, the the mm-hmm. neighbor, whoever, we need to understand ourselves and then we can actually create a change in the world. We can't make mm-hmm. other people, you know, um understand us um and do things just because we feel like they have to right
1: um
0: so and you mentioned on your on your website i think it was that you were saying that you know you were searching for someone to save you from your life and in that pursuit uh you almost lost the essence of who you were Mm -hmm. um so i was curious when i read that like who did you believe or learn that you had to be, you know, for mm-hmm. your your parents or for your environment?
1: Mhm. Um yeah, so I think that it was that adaptive piece of like staying in like that actually really came from thinking about like my past one of my past relationships and mm-hmm. really kind of Being in this space of like conforming to everything he wanted. And so Mm -hmm. I think that that kind of, you know, not speaking out, not speaking up, not sharing my voice started early on um, with that incident with my dad. But then later, Mm -hmm. what happened was because I'd been through addiction and dropping out of school and the years spent doing drugs and all the things that come along with living a life around that. I then carried a lot of shame mm-hmm. around.
0: And
1: mm. because of all of that shame, I didn't want to like I didn't I didn't go to like normal therapy. I didn't do that. So really I ended up going back to school, but I never talked about things. I didn't mm. talk about myself because there was so much shame. I just mm-hmm. felt like it was better not to talk about it. And when I did sometimes um I wouldn't be understood or I wouldn't be clear or my mm-hmm. words would be manipulated. So, um, but I was looking because of how bad, like I really remember being in the, the thick of the substance abuse, like just wishing somebody would come into my life and like save mm-hmm. me and like make everything better and just take me away and like treat me amazing and that just kept leading me into looking for somebody to do that, which mm-hmm. just kept me tied to these things of, like, um, powerlessness
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, um, like, you know, needing to be what somebody else wanted me to be. Mm-hmm. That's how I would be good enough and accepted and loved. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it was in my first so I Um, was married, and then I've been divorced. Mm -hmm. In my first marriage, that's when I really realized that I gave up almost everything of who I was. Mm -hmm. So there was moments where I knew who I was. And I tie back into a lot of, I, I mean, it's still developing those reconnecting with those pieces. But you know, I was a girl who loved rock and roll. And I kind of had a little bit of, you know, I liked singing and I liked, dancing and I like just being like alive and you know um and when I was in that relationship was really unhealthy and I kept compromising myself my values um doing things to be accepted and I remember walking into a work party one day and Mm it was the all-american girl apple pie and ice cream and it was a party for me (laughs) And I remember, and I had just gotten separated from my husband at the time, and I remember walking in, and so this is a party to celebrate me, because I'd been at my company for five years, and it was like celebrating that. And I just remember walking in and going, what? The F is happening right now. I don't, this doesn't even resonate, and it didn't resonate with me. It was not, didn't capture me at all. Mm. I knew in that very moment I'd given so much of myself and compromised so much of who I was to make my relationship work Mm -hmm. that why when they threw this party they went off of what was based in my house which was all my ex-husband it was all about military and he'd been in the military Mm -hmm. and all of like Americana theme and I was just like oh my god like i just was like shocked mm-hmm. and i just was like what the fuck is happening right now and i who are I was, who
0: like, are they celebrating yeah, do i know this girl
1: <laughs> because it's not me and so i realized in that moment that that's that's what i had been doing
0: all mm-hmm. these years i
1: mean i literally remember being scared to say like stainless steel um like, you know, appliances, Mm -hmm. because he liked white, and it wasn't that he was physically abusive, it's just that I was so scared that if I said that, Mm. there would be conflict, and there would be, like, an argument, and somehow Mm -hmm. I would be made to be bad, and Mm. so, um, I wouldn't speak up even over, like, the stupidest things, right, but they're not stupid, because they're the way you feel, and so, um... And then, you know, when I had that big realization, Mm -hmm. then I could start like refiguring out who Amanda was. Mm -hmm. Um, And it still took me years beyond that to kind of really fully get to where I am today. It's still that was, oh, that was more than 10 years ago. (laughs) I think I was 30 at the time we split up or almost 30 Mm -hmm. Um, and now I'm 43. So that was quite, quite a while ago. So yeah, it was probably like 13, 14 years ago.
0: But I think it's important to notice also that, you know, I feel like you, you, you get to know yourself more and more. It's like literally like, this is the the journey of on, Mm -hmm. on revealing like who you really are and coming closer and closer to your essence, but it just takes time. And there is not this quick fix thing that you just do. And then, oh, here I am. I know exactly who I am. And, uh, you know, everything's solved. And uh, now I can live my happy life. Um,
1: Yeah, you're so right. I think there's even a quote by, like, Carl Jung that you meet yourself over and over and over again, mm -hmm. something like that in, in your journey. So, yeah, you're completely right. It takes time.
0: And so I'm curious. So you said that the the event with your dad really like, let's say, uh, kicked things off in that direction. And so have there been like reoccurring events where you where you felt or where you got that message that you know, every time you would try to speak up, you would get like knocked down, or you would get Um... criticized?
1: Yes, I think a lot in that relationship, my first marriage, there mm-hmm. was like that—that that happening a lot, and so, and things were being used against me, mm-hmm. and so. But I also think it part of just that the inner critic within myself mm-hmm. kept replaying those messages and mm-hmm. kept saying like, "You're not good enough," and mm-hmm. and that was like the loudspeaker in my head versus mm-hmm. like. The other side of that, which is your mentor, your higher self, which was Mm -hmm. saying, you know, that I didn't really connect with until years later. So I think that um, because I didn't do a lot of my own healing, I Mm -hmm. went, I literally went into school and then I started doing all my schoolwork and just focusing. I like had tunnel vision on that. It didn't give me the opportunity to check any of those stories. And I think I just kept living um Mm -hmm. under like um kind of like unconsciously Mm -hmm. conscious Mm -hmm. so I was aware of my life but I was not aware of any of the stories that kept replaying Mm -hmm. because they were like an undercurrent that you couldn't see because I wasn't aware I didn't want to look at them um so I think there probably were things that continually played out um I mean, and I had an ex cheat on me and that made me feel not good. And I, Mm. you know, there were little things here and there, them saying, I don't know what I want anymore. And I'm like, wait, wait, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. How does this like, we're building a life together and you don't know what you want anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think those just kind of fed into that story without me completely knowing. Cause I think a lot of times when we don't do our own work, we don't, Connect with ourselves, and we completely disconnect. There's just the undercurrent that everything funnels through, and so you just continue on that path.
0: And I love that you're mentioning that because this is what I feel, and oftentimes also observe in in people. And I know from you know myself as well. Like you 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 feel that things are going you know sideways or going down the drain. You feel it, but then um we search for the explanation or for the cause like around us in other things mm-hmm. and we don't take the time to just sit down and reflect and really you know become aware of our thoughts just or the mm-hmm. things that we're saying to ourselves this is yeah. so powerful it's the like the most powerful thing that you know can be communicated to your mind because mm-hmm. it accepts it as 100 percent truth and so I encourage everybody to just, you know, for just one day, you know, pay attention to your thoughts and what you're saying Mm -hmm. to yourself because it's Mm -hmm. not, you know, saying, oh, I'm so, I'm so stupid or I'm so silly. It's not nothing. Right. Like if you say to yourself like 10 times or even more Mm -hmm. a week, this is true for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I would completely agree. And I think that when you're constantly bombarded by those messages. And then we don't even, we haven't even talked about the societal impact, mm. right? Of society and media are sending us. Um, but then we start doing that, but just like even kind of knowing how do I feel today? Mm. Like even connecting truly with how you feel, like in the my book, I talk about like a, one of the practices, like just even connecting with how do you really feel when somebody says, how are you? Mm-hmm. Um, Because often it's, um, we're saying, oh, I'm fine, but we're not fine. We're struggling and you don't have to air out dirty laundry, right? But to kind of, even if you say I'm fine, you're telling yourself you're fine when you also know you're not fine.
0: Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah, total sense because you just... You just basically communicate to yourself, we have to keep up this kind of image and it's not okay for us to to be down or sad or whatever. No. And so um, so you mentioned that then at basically 14 years old, that's when it started, you got in contact with, with drugs. And mm-hmm. so how did you actually get in touch with drugs? I mean, um, at that young age, I mean...
1: Yeah. I think it started out kind of a little slower. So I started around then, um, with like marijuana and drinking Mm -hmm. probably close 14 to 15 more of that. And then I think at 16 is when I got involved in like harder drugs. So, you know, I was rebelling against everything and Mm -hmm. just, I was at Uh, I think a dance club one night and somebody Mm -hmm. offered it and it was meth. And I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. Let's try it. You know, when you're rebelling and you're Mm -hmm. kind of lost and hopeless and, and it made me feel good at first, but then it like just kind of continued to spiral through the whole not feeling good. And then all the things that come with that of like seeking it out and the further disconnection and the further separation from my family and, really just kept me moving farther and farther away from those who I loved and the, mm. from myself
0: so and so I, i'm what i'm curious about is to understand when even just starting with let's say drinking or mariana was that more to you know create a feeling of really like let's say um uh euphoria or you know um yeah. Ecstasy or something like that, or was it rather too numb?
1: You know, I think it might have initially been, you know, that rebellion with least with marijuana and Mm -hmm. alcohol. It was just more of like a casual thing. Um, but it also kind of made me more like open to try things, Mm -hmm. and it made me like a little less scared. Mm-hmm. So, I think in that way, is like going back that many years and thinking back into it, there might have been some elements of that. But I also think there were elements of me wanting to be accepted and who I was hanging out mm-hmm. with, doing those things. So, then I was doing those things to also be accepted um, because I wanted to be part of a group. We had moved a lot, so making friends was difficult. And so sometimes when you move a lot, you're, like, starting at the bottom of the, 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 the you know, classes of however mm-hmm. they put it, especially in high school. And then eventually it just kind of spiraled, I think, because I was doing it, it, like, and then because of that feeling of, like, carefreeness and, like, mm-hmm. bravery and, like, not being so scared, I think also led into not being connected with myself and really kind of then moving into numbing out. And I think the more numbing out came when I was probably closer into starting to use meth and Mm -hmm. getting more heavily into that because I was getting into trouble more and struggling more and really didn't feel like I had a support system. Mm -hmm. And so this was a way to kind of not have to feel it. Mm. And so, and I didn't have to do the work and I didn't have to look at my own behavior Mm. and how I'd been contributing to the situation that I was in. So even though I was a teenager, I still think there was a lot of amount of like, of my own ability to make decisions about what I was doing. So I don't feel like I ever felt like I was not, Uh, that I was taken advantage of or forced to I think Mm -hmm. I did a lot of these things knowingly Mm -hmm. um, but not fully understanding like the complexities or Mm -hmm. consequences of them because of how young I still was
0: Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah and was there ever a moment where you like where you realized that fuck I'm really you know losing control of this like this is you know as good as it might you know numb me or make me feel in that moment but you're just losing complete control of where it is taking you
1: yeah yeah I had quite a few of those moments and I even remember being in like the group of people I was in and like there was this one man who kind of reminded me of my dad in some ways Mm because he was older him and in this and he just was like you don't belong here this isn't your life you're not supposed to live this life and I was just like what are you talking about but that's always stuck with me because mm-hmm. I do think at some points you know it it sucked to wake up not knowing where you were or not knowing mm-hmm. where you were to sleep that night and I was getting really really tired of that life mm-hmm. and really tired of like just being in that space it didn't feel good it did come to a point where it was more painful to stay there than it was to kind of decide, okay, mm-hmm. I need to change. Something's got to give, something's got to shift. Mm-hmm. And so literally that's what ended up happening. And one day I just woke up. I mean, obviously it wasn't just like an easy process, yeah. but really one day I decided I can't live this way anymore. Mm-hmm. I can't keep putting myself through this because I'm wasting my life Mm -hmm. and there has got to be something I've been spared through all of these years. Nothing bad had ever really like nothing really bad had ever happened. Not saying bad stuff didn't happen, but I wasn't in jail
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and I wasn't in the hospital and I hadn't had an overdose. You know, I hadn't been raped. So I look at all those things as Mm -hmm. women, what you can go through when you're in those spaces. And I just remember that it's like, you know, there's got to be more to life for me than this. Mhm. And so I want something different.
0: Mm.
1: But yeah, I had a lot of those moments.
0: And what would you say, I mean, since the initial um motivation was rebel uh, like r- um rebelling but also seeking acceptance, um mm-hmm. how much acceptance has it actually given you?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it gave me a lot of acceptance. Um, I think it gave the superficial acceptance of being with people who were like you. Mm -hmm. Um, but not in the way that I feel accepted now, not in the relationships that I have with people who know me and are connected Mm -hmm. with me and know me on a soulful level. Mm -hmm. Um, so even though I was seeking that, I don't think I ever got that acceptance. I mm-hmm. never got that, what I was looking for every time I spiraled down that hole.
0: Yeah, it's. Just, I mean, it's It's just, I mean, um, raising so much curiosity in me because I, I never had any experience with that. And uh, luckily I also don't have anybody in my closer family or so that mm-hmm. has had the problem. And so I'm always just, you know, so curious to understand, you know, what was going on in, 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 in the people, Mm -hmm. you know, that motivated them and how much has it actually given them back from what they were originally seeking, you know? And so what would you say, what would you say has helped you? You know, you, you woke up that one morning and said, you know, I don't want to live like that anymore, but what has helped you really, you know, um, stay consistent with yourself Mm -hmm. and then really, uh, become clean.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, I think the big thing that really helped me was having a support system when I decided to change. So one of the big things was I had a really good, like had just met a guy Mm -hmm. who was really kind of trying to get me to get my life together. And I had, as soon as I kind of said, okay, I don't want to live like this anymore. Then my mom immediately was like at my side Mm -hmm. and immediately supportive. And she never judged me she never made me feel bad about who I was or Mm -hmm. what I did or all the like messed up stuff I did. Um, she, and she didn't kind of be like, I told you so Mm -hmm. like there wasn't any of that. And then really kind of what helped me is having something else to do with my Mm -hmm. time. So, cause I know I was super scared. Mm -hmm. I didn't trust myself when I first was, um, kind of newly clean and shifting my life. I didn't, I didn't trust who I was. I didn't trust my decisions. I didn't think, um, I was just so scared. Mm -hmm. So having somebody to one, believe in me and then to not judge me Mm -hmm. and then somebody else who helped support me Mm -hmm. by saying, I believe you could go back to school or I could believe that you could, um, you know, get a job and and that you should you should do those things in life. And so I did end up going back to school. and that's actually really where I stayed. That became my like safe haven mm-hmm. for a really long time because if I was in school, I could focus on learning and then I just kept focusing on learning and focusing on learning. and that's really, I think what helped kind of keep me clean because it kept me away from all of that other stuff long enough mm-hmm. that I could help really feel better. But the other thing that really really helped me is shortly after I me and my um that, the boyfriend at mm-hmm. the time who had really helped me had split up. Um the other thing that really helped me was I became involved in martial arts. And so I started training in a martial arts style called Mm Kempo. And that actually really helped me feel confident in myself. It helped me work out my anger and my stuff. And I started to find a community of people who accepted me and didn't expect me to like talk about my feelings Mm. but would help me work out what I needed to work out in a way that allowed me to do it in a physical form Mm -hmm. which connected me to pieces of that um, dance that I used to use when I was a kid younger than 14 I loved to dance so I'd use dance to like Mm -hmm. work out my emotions and dance through the things but martial arts became this way and it became a way to discipline my mind as well and to just gain more clarity on things. So it also helped me feel really powerful. Like Mm -hmm. I could take care of myself and that I wasn't, what word came to me was broken, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I wasn't broken, that I could be strong again.
0: And I just want to say nobody's broken. Nobody's broken. You're not broken. Yeah. And whoever, (laughs) might be listening in things he she's broken or he's broken. You are not.
1: No, that's actually one of the last quotes in the back of my book. Do you mind if I read it? No, I just of course. Like Go ahead. It. Um, it says, and this is by an unknown person, but it says no one is ever too broken, too scarred, too far gone to create change, never stop fighting and never lose faith. And I just, Because they don't, I think you're right. We're not broken where there's the beautiful experiences we go through life, which fucking sucks sometimes. Let's be real. Um, But they give us knowledge and wisdom and strength and courage to get through things that we never knew we could Mm -hmm. because we never had to face them until then. Yes. And so, yeah, I agree. I don't think anybody's broken too far gone. I completely agree with that.
0: And the the quote is beautiful. So thank you for sharing that.
1: You're welcome.
0: And so um, what was the moment where you think has really um, changed or shifted your life? Was that the moment you woke up and said no more? Or has there been another moment where you said now you feel it's finally like moving towards the direction of a life that you really, you know, desired or craved maybe even?
1: Yeah, I think there's been several moments Mm -hmm. and that refocus space. Like you said, you know, you keep coming back, you keep learning about yourself. So I think I've had many moments because I had the moment of like, Oh my God, what the heck is happening Mm -hmm. at work? Right. And then that relationship ended and I vowed I would never lose myself in another Mm -hmm. relationship again. And But yet I didn't do any of the healing. I didn't do any of the work. So then when I got into my new relationship, I was more cautious and conscientious on some level, but I also was still compromising a lot. And, oh, whatever you want, I want. Whatever you like, Mm. I like. And actually, um, that has been a huge sore spot once I started doing my work. And with that came in when I was, um, decided I was unhappy with my body. I didn't like the way I felt in my body anymore. And I had wanted to do a fitness competition. So this Mm. was in the thirties, um, and actually 2012. So actually in 2011, the end, I was like, I'm so over how I feel. I feel unhealthy. I feel really bad about myself again. And so I decided to find a coach and work with someone. And so the coach I happened to find was a mind body business coach. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just about my physical appearance. It became about doing mindset work Mm -hmm. and it came about, you know, do you, uh, I'm like, I don't care about building a business, but I'm going to do this because I really like her energy. Mm -hmm. And from there I was like, so inspired to then create a business that would help women feel more confident in themselves and comfortable with their stories and it has quite evolved since Mm -hmm. then seven years ago Um, and then I think I had more there was in 2015 when I went to a retreat in New Mexico Mm -hmm. and we were talking about what's like the biggest thing you want to do in life or your biggest fear and I was like writing the fears that oh it's I'll never have a child biologically, you know, like Mm -hmm. they felt superficial. And all of a sudden I was like, it wasn't even that it was about reconnecting with my writer and that I had this underlying need to reconnect with writing in a way. And I just kind of started doing that in even a deeper way. Mm -hmm. Um, But that I would write a book. And so then it even like sparked more of my deeper work to kind of, Um, think back about when I first shared my story about because I didn't actually ever talk about my substance abuse history in any public way and in fact I would hide it from people Mm. for months and months and months and then when they when I felt safe enough or the conversation led to that I would then maybe say it and then Mm. it was like no big deal but talking about it was like And sharing it in a way that was very public was Mm -hmm. very scary. So in 2014, I'd written a post about it Mm -hmm. and a blog. Um, So I thought back about, like, what did it take for me to be able to find enough courage to do that, to, Mm -hmm. like, start standing in my power and that's, you know, there's been little moments all through my journey that have kind of fed into this space of where I'm at now. I don't think there's just one defining moment. I think mm. there's several defining moments in your our lives where we get the opportunity to, to base ourselves in a new way and to kind of dig deeper and reconnect even more. And so... I've just kind of been leaning into those more and more as they've felt good, mm-hmm. um, even though sometimes it's scary because you never know what you'll find. But, yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I know that every time I lean in and I'm open to exploring what, what's there, I find a deeper connection with myself. Mm-hmm. I find more inspiration to keep going. I find another level of courage and strength to keep showing up and sharing and talking about the things that kept me silent for so long. Mm
0: -hmm. What do you think um, has given you really also, I mean, having dealt with uh, shame for such a long Mm. time, what has given you really the courage to, you know, go and create a business really with courage?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, writing has been a big thing for me Mm -hmm. and writing through my feelings. So it's been one of the things that has really helped me process my feelings and my Mm -hmm. emotions. And so I think that's been one of my fundamental tools that I've used throughout my life to help me process emotions, but also remind myself that. I've gotten through some pretty tough stuff in my life. And so I'm still here and there's still a reason. So I think the more I connect with that, the more I connect with those pieces, that's really important. Um, I think the other pieces, what I write about in my book, which are the hero practices. Mm -hmm. And it's when I was willing to get honest with myself about who I was and who I wasn't. Mm. Um, When I was willing to honor my journey, my story, um, my needs that, you know, that whole space of like honoring who I was, where I've been, um, and who I'm becoming hmm. being able to find empathy for myself, for my past self, mm-hmm. um, for that little girl who made all those choices, um, who was doing the best that she could at the time. When I was willing to explore the places that I didn't really want to explore, when I the places that I had been avoiding, mm. uh, that I was willing to take risks, that mm-hmm. I was willing, which meant I was willing to be vulnerable, willing to trust people again, willing to say, okay, maybe that's not true about this person, because mm. when we have, it happen in our past. We often believe that all people are like that yeah so maybe like all men are untrustworthy or all men will try to keep you down which is not true and unfair to part yes. your partner men um, but we, we don't consciously do that it's an unconscious um, belief, that framework that we're working from. So to, to kind of question that it's, it's, uh, taking a risk. It's about being brave and having a lot of faith and then it's showing up in a real way. So like having realness in your life, like taking off the masks, Mm. stopping, you know, not, um, compromising everything like compromise is important, but not to the point where you're compromising who you are or not, saying what you stand for, um, but that you're willing to speak your truth and stand in your power and show up in a real authentic way. So it's mm-hmm. that piece of authenticity of like being okay <laughs> with everything. Um, and then it takes open hearted ownership. So there's really the space of having an open heart and really opening your heart to like, things might not be what they appear to be or mm-hmm. what you believe they are, like, maybe you're wrong about what you think. Yeah, maybe there's another perspective. And so it's opening your heart to allow yourself to let others in, but also to let yourself out, because sometimes we close ourselves mm-hmm. off. And so people don't really experience how amazing we are, because we don't trust them. And then I think with the ownership piece, for me, it was really kind of, you know, I can't change everything that happened to me. I can't change the things that people said or the people did or how they may have harmed me, but I can own how I'm going to let it continue to impact my life Mm. and how I'm going to let it define me. And so all of those things I think are what I use for my framework to Mm -hmm. find courage, to keep moving forward and to really work in building a business that helps others find that within themselves.
0: This is so, so um, powerful, really. And what I I really like that you said, you know, I think the greatest healing really comes from when we allow ourselves to really face those truths that we don't really want to. But Mm -hmm. I really feel that being honest with yourself is the thing that will set you free from that. And like like you said, it's we only have one perspective on how things happened or went down, whatever you, each of us experienced, right? But there's always like a ton of or, or a number of different perspectives. And um, I actually was a, at um a, it was a Tony Robbins event. And um, there they just um, made us see, you know, one, one uh, life event really, that was, uh, let's say, well, very impactful, but just to really see it, from your perspective, from the other person's perspective, and then from God's perspective. Yeah. And when you do those things and, you know, and you really just see it from that point of view, you get so such different answers. And then you're thinking to yourself, you know, I thought like, you know, how ridiculous was that for me to just see it this one way. And there's just, you know, your dad, probably when he said whatever it was to you, he didn't have that intention. Right, he was going through something of his own or maybe he had even a good intention he wasn't aware of it and so on and so I feel it is so important that we give ourselves the permission even if we're scared to face those things
1: yeah I completely agree and I did years later when I was partly doing some of my healing I actually came back to my dad and and not necessarily confronted him, but had a discussion around this one pivotal moment mm-hmm. I'd been holding on to since I was 14. And I think I was almost 40 at the time. So like 25 years. And he was like, I don't even remember saying mm-hmm. that to you. And I'm like, what? And he's like, I am so sorry. And I know not every parent or person will get the opportunity to do this. If you had this issue or your parent would be yes. is able to do what my dad did. So I, I get that. And it's not always safe, but mm-hmm. But I did. And he apologized and said, I never believed that about you. And I am so sorry if I ever, and, you know, made you feel that way. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I've been living, it was like this new aha moment. Mm-hmm. And I've been living off this premise for 25 years that I was basically a selfish bitch. And how mm-hmm. dare I speak up for myself because what I, you know, wanted and needed in life wasn't mm. important. Um, and I was like, wow, like how interesting mm. that I was letting this control me and now I can like work through it, right? I mean, there's still, it's not like it just goes away. It doesn't just be like magically, like he said it and now everything's yeah. perfect and this doesn't work that way. But it gave me this different perspective mm. of being able ago because he was my age at the time that I was mm. his age, but as, um, so at the time this was happening, I was his age mm-hmm. that I would have been, he would have been when I was 14. I think that makes sense how I said that. Um, so for him, he was doing what he needed to do or the best he could, or maybe he had good intentions, or maybe he just doesn't remember saying it, or yeah. maybe You know, we have filters. Mm -hmm. So, what people say and how we hear them are different. Mm -hmm. And so, maybe he didn't say those exact words, but they filtered through. And then I clung on to them for Mm -hmm. so many years. Um, And without, I was, and that's the thing about shame and like some of these things is when the more they sit in silence, the bigger they Mm -hmm. get. And so, Brene Brown talks a lot about that. It's like silence becomes this petri dish for shame. Yeah. And so the more that you can talk about it, the more that you can bring light to it, the more vulnerable and courageous you become as scary as it is, the less shame. And the more you realize, like I remember telling people some of my shameful things and people go, Oh my God, you feel that way too. Or you had that experience too. I'm so glad I'm not alone. And I'm like, what the hell is happening? like, I thought I was the only one, but I'm not. Yeah so
0: and and i think this is also a very important everybody who's listening to realize you know you're whatever it is you're going through there has or is another person at least one other person who's mm-hmm. who's going through the same thing uh, as well or who's feeling the same uh, thing mm-hmm. and i feel like especially when it's around you know body shame and like all around this topic of you know beauty and how we look and all these kind of things there's definitely nobody who's by themselves and i right. think it is important to know that and to, like also to know that you can reach out there are people who feel you you know who understand yes. you and it's just a matter of you reaching out and searching for those people
1: absolutely and that takes courage yes and that- Your strength when you do, and even if it's just one person finding some one person, it's just it is important because we all do that's why it's been so amazing to do work with women in groups Mm -hmm. because they come together, they all look so different, and they all come from different backgrounds, and they all have different ages, right? And then to watch the power of the healing that happens when a woman bravely shares her story the women around her go, I hear you. Mm -hmm. I see you. I feel you. And that was me too. Mm -hmm. And even though their experiences were different, the emotions, the feelings that they carried were the same.
0: Yeah. And so, um, coming back to your book really quickly, Mm -hmm um you share uh daily practices to be your own hero so do you mind sharing you know what were what were those eight practices um that you yeah. have learned to become your own hero for yourself
1: yeah so that um is the acronym is hero so it yeah. is that honesty mm. that honoring the empathy, exploration, realness, risk, and open-hearted ownership. Mm-hmm. And so that is all the things I needed to do mm-hmm. to be able to stand confidently enough, right? Because I wasn't, like, I still was probably shaky um, on my legs sharing my story the first time. It's like, just because you're confident doesn't mean you're like, oh, yeah, I've got this. Sometimes yeah. you're like, okay, oh, I think I can do this. I'm going to do it. So it's that there might yeah. still be some uncertainty, but you're doing it anyway. So I think that that's a really important thing to just acknowledge is when you start to do this work, when you start to show up in your power, when you start to be more confident and courageous, sometimes you're still scared. In fact, yeah. anytime you do something big, you're going to be scared. Yeah. So feeling that, allowing yourself to acknowledge it and going, I'm going to go forth anyways. Mm. I'm going to do anyways. Uh, especially if it's fear, that's not like the, the actual safety fear. It's just that inner critic thing. Mm-hmm. So it's really about like finding your own hero, finding the, that the comfort level with sh- your story, that you become confident that you learn the lessons and that you honor each version of yourself through mm-hmm. your journey. Because, She has brought you or he has brought you to where you are today. And even if you're not always happy, this is something I said, even when I was younger, even if you're not always happy with where you're at right now, you're still here and you have the choice in this moment to decide what you want to do now. Mm. Like, you know, you still have that opportunity to change something in your life. Will it be hard? Absolutely. Will it take time? Absolutely. Will you fall and revert back to old behavior? Absolutely. But part of that is learning. And part of that is like, we try these brave new things and then we have to retreat a little bit and then we go, okay, and then we can go back out. It's um, it's so powerful when we start to, you know, rethink how like relapse works or how, you know, like self-sabotage works. If mm-hmm. we can look at it in a way that we're just trying to test out new skills and new things so we can keep going forward. Mm. So that's, so in the book, I talk a lot about that, but I really go through the different, those eight practices Mm -hmm. and how you can cultivate those in your life. And at the end of each of those chapters, it has journal prompts and questions because that's my thing. Writing's my thing. Yeah. So I love, I like, I encourage people to write in my books. In fact, I'd encourage you to write in any book you read mm. um, about what's coming up to you or reflecting highlighting things that make you inspired because then when you flip back through them, you're like, Oh, I remember when I yeah. read that. I really, so.
0: I really like that. I, I, I want to, you know, second that encouragement to write down things because, um, I, don't, I think it was like maybe four years ago or so that I just started, I usually am not a big writer, <laughs> like I'm the opposite. But uh, then I heard, yeah, I think it was also Tony Robbins actually, but he said, if your life is worth living, it's, you know, worth um, documenting or something like that. It's worth being yeah. being written down. And so it really is so fascinating if you have something that you can look back to and when you go through everything that you've written down, you're like, Oh my God, you know, sometimes you realize, Oh my God, this is like, again, again, like I'm, I'm holding on to this, but then sometimes it's like, Oh my God, I can't believe like I was there and now I am here, you know, and you can really, um, kind of, uh, yeah, just like recall for yourself, everything that you've, you know, already accomplished, everything that you've already, already learned, the, the growth that you've have that you've Mm -hmm. been through. And so I really love that.
1: Yeah. And I think the other thing that's just important to say, because you said this, if you keep coming back again, this is again, (laughs) is because healing is not an A to B process. It doesn't work that way. It's not like we're all done. Um, And so a lot of people in the community will talk about healing as like an onion or like, the dirt. And so you're planting, Mm. sometimes you're doing things in layers and you're peeling stuff off and Mm. then you've got another, you come back to it again because there's another thing for you to heal. And so, you know, or like you ruffle up, like, I don't know why recently my fun thing to talk about with my clients that I work with is like, we've like kind of like scuffed up the dirt on top and kind of getting it ready to be planted because we have to make it messy in order for new roots to plant. yeah, um, cause when you have a seed and you're putting in a seed, it needs like a, like some flexibility to move. And so, um, but it's, you're going to come back to the same thing sometimes again and again, and it doesn't mean you're failing. It doesn't mean that something's wrong with you. It's a very natural process and healing. And, you know, it just, gives you another opportunity to dig deeper into yourself and reconnect and heal on another level
0: absolutely Mm -hmm. and so who do you think would amanda be without this skin of shame and fear or who is she without that skin
1: you know who would she be i don't know um i don't actually want to know who she would be if she hadn't been through all of the things she'd Mm. been, it doesn't mean I don't regret some of the things or have remorse for some of the things that I did and the Mm -hmm. people that I hurt through my life because I'm not, didn't come out unscathed from hurting people. Um, but I wouldn't change a thing in my journey. It, I wouldn't even know where to begin with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think part of it has really helped me understand and have a deeper level of compassion for other people. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so because of the lives that I've lived, I'm able to really go to some like deep places with people Mm. and really hold some incredible space for them to where I've had people tell me multiple times, I've never told anyone this, but I feel safe with you. Um, and I don't know if I would be that without all of the things that I've been through and the journey that I've carried. But the Amanda who is realizing that mm-hmm. and who she's becoming and who is working through like the impact of the shame and and healing those wounds is becoming more confident, is becoming more vocal, is becoming a bigger advocate for the things that she finds important mm-hmm weird to talk about myself in third person. <laughs> <laughs> but um but I actually am feeling like the more that I do that, the mm-hmm. more that I release the shame from myself, the more that I see myself doubt and step forward anyways, the more that I own my power, mm. the more that I can make the impact in the world I want to make and have the ripples that change generations both Mm. back and forward so in both directions because I want all people to feel confident and comfortable in who they are and connected to themselves in such a deep way that they're not shaken off who they are because of someone else's perception of them that they're able to go I hear you and I see you but that's not true for me
0: yeah
1: and that they're able to have compassion and love for that person instead of going oh my god how dare they say that yeah now is that a struggle for me some days yeah I'm not perfect at it but um it's really like to me important that just to continue to cultivate that you know, awareness of really loving ourselves and completely accepting ourselves. And the more that we do that, and the more that we work through that total self acceptance, we feel happier in our lives, even if our life isn't exactly how we want it to be.
0: Absolutely. And so what would be your one message that you would like every woman to know who is, you know, struggling with feeling ashamed or dealing with shame Mm -hmm. in her Mm -hmm. own way. What, what is the one thing that you would like every woman to know?
1: Yeah. That she's not alone,
0: Mm.
1: that she's not alone and that, you know, she's brave and beautiful Mm -hmm. and has an incredible strength within her that the world needs, that we need her here Mm that we need her gifts, that she is going to give us something that no one else can. And that even though she's struggling, that there is hope mm-hmm. and she has possibility and that, you know, she if she could just see what we see in her because I see her light and how beautiful it is. And I just want to reflect that back to her so she can find a little bit of that hope for herself Mm -hmm. and know that she can come through the darkness and that the darkness is actually where we can forge ourselves into who we want to be. And so she can choose right now, where does she want to take her life Mm -hmm. and just say, I may not know how to get there, Mm -hmm. but why not me? Why couldn't I have what I want? And really just know that there are others who are ready to hold her and to hear her, to see her and feel her and help walk with her through her journey.
0: Hmm. Because she's amazing. Yes. Everybody listening, everybody, like I always feel like, you know everybody's beautiful everybody is you know has this um unbelievable potential and everybody is you know special and gifted in their own kind of ways yeah absolutely and so what would be three things that you right now if you had the opportunity you would have you know shared with six-year-old amanda Mm. in something Mm -hmm. that you would have liked her to know about herself, about life, like three pieces of wisdom that you could have just passed on to her.
1: Mm, That's a beautiful one. Um, I would tell her, darling, you have an amazing spirit and people are going to try to steal that and bring you down, Mm -hmm. but no, no, That it is so big it can't be contained. Mm -hmm. And you should never apologize for yourself. Um, That would be one. The next one would be you are so loved. No matter how many times you question it or wonder if it's true, Mm -hmm. know that your love starts with you. And so love yourself like you want to be loved because baby you are diamonds and the third one Hmm. keep being you bravely you fight for what you need to celebrate yourself
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: know that you are strong amazing, beautiful, and you can get through anything that you need to.
0: Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. Listening. <laughs> no, but that was just so, you know, not only beautiful, but so powerful. And um, I think that is a, I think everybody who's listening can take it as a message to themselves as well.
1: Absolutely. absolutely speaking to all the six year olds within us
0: yes so um, Amanda where can people find you if they got interested you know about learning more about you
1: yeah they can find me on my website at amandajpbrown.com. JP dot com I'm also on Facebook so they can connect with me there um, I'm on LinkedIn and also Instagram so I think all my handles are probably Amanda JP Brown mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I would love to connect with them. They can order the book through my website and learn about the coaching programs that I offer and working with me. So all of that's there. And I'd love to connect with anybody who is looking to connect with somebody.
0: Yeah, that's cool. So girls, go and check out Amanda's website, her book, um, You're Brave Enough, Eight Daily Practices to Be Your Own Hero. Um I just want to thank you so much, you know, for sharing your story, for being so open, for letting us in into some of the, well, darkest and um, darkest places that you've been and moments of biggest struggle and um, really sharing with us how you've really taken back ownership and... um, become become so, so confident so beautifully. So thank you so much, Amanda, for being here with us today. And I hope people really got, you know, great messages out of that for themselves.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. And I just would love to say, I love that you've offered this format. I love that you call it Thrive. Because I believe that through all things, we don't just survive, we have to thrive through them. So I love that you are spreading that message as well. So thank you so much, Olga.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into the Thrive Podcast and spending your precious time with us. If you found this episode valuable and think that others could benefit from it too, please share it with your network friends and family. I would also be forever grateful if you could go over to iTunes and leave us an honest review about the show. And if you have a comment, question or topic that you would like to see covered on the show, go to OlgaMuller.com slash Thrive Podcast. So see you next week, girl. And until then, don't forget that you were meant to thrive.